0: To a show,
1: what's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mass Podcast. And thanks for being here. Love you all. I don't know why I started that way, but that's how I'm doing today. So my guest today is I've mentioned this young man on a podcast before, probably not by name, but I always tell the story about my my first trial class and and me started jujitsu, and then my sticking around because this young man, even though he was showing me the ropes and we were kind of rolling a little bit, he he's always beating me up, and my purpose of staying in jujitsu is always like, look, I'm gonna beat this kid one day. Still haven't beaten him. I, you know what? Let's just face it. He he's he's a prodigy. He he's a master at this. So, my guest today is good friend Michael Mouth Garlington. How you doing, buddy? What's going on?
0: Doing good, man. Doing good.
1: Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you on. Finally, as much as I, I reference you on here, it, it's nice to now be able to sit down and talk with you and. Just when you reached out to me the other day, at first I was like, "Is this is is this a spam bot? Let me." I was going, I was going to mess with you. I was like, "Hey man, what's going on?" I was like, "Oh, I'm alright." You. And then when you started, like you know, just general conversation, like, "Oh, it's not a bot," because <laughs> I was ready. So it, it was just good hearing from you, and then you know, here we are. Decided we're going to get into the podcast, and from what I understand. You explained you're going to be starting your own pretty soon. So um, congrats on that and good luck with everything. You want to get any uh, details about that so far?
0: Um, yeah. So it's uh, it's called Stop Hitting Yourself Podcast. It's uh, me and my best friend, Greg. We've always wanted to do something entertainment. Just we think we're funny. And so we wanted to uh, go out, you know, start. And he, he's been doing podcast things for a while now. And um, we're hoping to have the first episode out in May. Um, so check us out on YouTube, uh, stop hitting yourself podcast, keep, uh, s- keep your eyes open for, um, release dates.
1: Good. All right. I mean, I think that's always a fun way to kind of get your podcast started, especially with friends. Cause it's like, I think when we're all sitting with our friends, we're, we're cracking ourselves up. Yeah. So it's like, you know what, we should probably do something with this. So it's a good start. So, you know, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, We'll talk about jujitsu here. Um, I want to really kind of talk to you about that, your journey, you know, growing up with it, and then also wrestling. You, you, a state champ, right? You, you, yeah, my States. my senior year. Ah, nice. So, you know, want to kind of go into that a little bit, and then, like I said, just general conversation. Well, we're going to let this conversation go where it goes. Yeah. So, first thing I want to ask you. You know, as it pertains to jujitsu, especially, you know, what led you to doing jujitsu?
0: Well, it started off as I was one of those kids that did every single sport. I did five sports a year. I would do swim, basketball, soccer season, try to lacrosse, baseball, football. And I was always the tiniest kid for my age, like kids around my kids around my size were two years younger than me. I was just I was a skin and bones. And I was uh, just finished football season, actually. And I was like a third string D lineman. I got my 10 plays in every single game. And that was it. And I didn't really like it. And one day, me and my dad were actually just watching TV. And I saw um, it was, uh, I forget who the fighter was. I want to say it was uh, John Jones. I saw him like spinning back to someone. And I was like, I want to do this. And my dad was like, all right, just don't tell your mom. And so he went did did his own research and it ended up, to find a local Jiu Jitsu gym and ever since then I I bought in immediately. I went from training twice a week doing the kids class to I think after my first four months I flew out to California when I was twelve to go do the, the Pan the Pan Am kids tournament. And then ever since then I was training five, six, seven days a week. I just fell in love with it.
1: Nice, nice. So when I came about, I think I started in 2015
0: yeah i was about i think i was about i think i was 15 when you started
1: okay all right
0: so i was doing about four years before that
1: oh nice nice so when you you know start going out to started going out to competition you say you started that pretty early on like
0: yeah, I actually don't remember how it exactly happened. Um, after my, I think it was my second month, I went to a grapplers quest in New Jersey, and I uh, went out there and I got my ass whooped. I, I was in a, I was in a rude naked choke for three minutes straight, and luckily this kid was over my chin, but it was, it was not, not pleasant. I remember my parents hated it because they just saw their little kid getting choked out by some, some, uh, some other kid. And all that and I went with it was I was the only kid there, and it was two of our coaches were also competing. And ever since then, um, I lost both in no gi, and then I got third in gi and I fell in love with it. I just the competition aspect of it was awesome. I loved like going and learning moves, and then like putting them into use, and like seeing the results of hard work go in. And so ever since that first grapplers quest, I've just I was a on a competition like addiction. Where I went, um, I went to like, a Kanaga the month after, and then coach is like we're gonna pan kids and somehow luckily my parents were able to get me out there and I went and I was in like the kids gray belt division I got like judo tossed and bone arrow choked the first 30 seconds. I had one match and I was done and so I get to enjoy a trip to California though. And then but that was I was like okay well next year I'm coming back to this and that was always the goal was go out to California and win as a kid all the way up until and then getting to the juvenile I was like okay now we're gonna go win so we just kind of Kept getting more and more addicting as I went on.
1: All right, so there was like a gradual progression as you know, you go in, you get this result, not exactly what I'm looking for, but you went back to the drawing board and came back.
0: Yeah, I don't think I won a uh, single tournament until about six months in. Mm-hmm. I started competing on my second month. I was just, I just liked it. I enjoyed. it. I would win matches, if I only had won a tournament for the longest time. And then one day it was actually my, for my first summer camp is because I was at the gym all day. We would do like three practice sessions and I was a kid. So I wouldn't get tired. And that's when it started to click. So I was just drilling moves and it was just becoming muscle memory instead of having to think about it.
1: That's, I guess that's one way of looking at it too. I never thought about it as, like I said, as a kid, you know, you just got endless energy. So, you know, yeah, just, just keep going, keep going. But, So with, you know, your age, though, too, and growing up for you, because I know for me, there are times where I'll say, okay, I'll drill a move forever and ever. But then the focus becomes my question. So, you know, did you ever have any issue with staying focused or getting distracted?
0: Not necessarily. Uh, I had a lot of like really good friends in the gym as usually during like the teenage teenage years, people started getting distracted, stop coming in, worrying about friends and all that stuff. And I was usually pretty good about working around that where I was still in the gym for about six days a week. And then it wasn't so about my junior year of high school is when I stopped like competing in Jiu-Jitsu because of wrestling.
1: So that was going to be. You know, kind of my next question as well as when did wrestling start for you?
0: Um, so interesting enough, I um I was doing private lessons. Uh, I was working with one of the younger kids at the gym and uh, his dad was a dean of a private school. And he was like, do you wrestle at all? Because he his kid was actually there longer than I was, but he was just much smaller. And I used to give him, like, tips and tricks and roll around with him. And he was like, do you wrestle? He's like, you have to, right, if you're doing grappling. I was like, I actually have never wrestled a day in my life. He was like, well, you should. That's how – he's like, they don't give out scholarships for jiu-jitsu. And then so I talked to my parents. And so my eighth grade year, so I was 12, 13, I started wrestling. This is, like, the junior, like, uh, the Naval Academy Club. And I, I was okay at it. And jiu-jitsu was still – I just wanted to pull guard the whole entire time. That's all I wanted to do. But, um, and then so freshman year, I went to a private high school and wrestled, and I loved it there, loved my coaches, and then ended up just missing my friends, missing jiu-jitsu, and came back in sophomore year, went back to public school, and then did a full year of competing jiu-jitsu again, and then junior year, a bunch of, like, my close childhood friends all wrestled at my public high school, Broadneck, and they were like, you gotta come try out, just like, if you don't like it, you can quit, but you gotta come try out at least, I tried out, and I was enjoying myself, so I was trying to split the time. And then it was right around when I got on varsity and I, and I lost a match. That was the click of like, okay, I'm going to go all wrestling because I'm not losing any more matches. And that's when the, that's when the switch came to. And then after uh, junior year summer, I did uh, off-season wrestling. And that kind of like s- took place of Jiu-Jitsu for the time being. And um, then senior year, I started getting like scholarship offers and things like that. And the college asked me to come tour. And so then it was kind of hard to like, oh, well, I'm for, I'm getting offered education for this. So that's how it kind of switched from jiu-jitsu to wrestling.
1: I remember, you know, seeing you there all the time and then just kind of just not seeing you. That was always, it was like, you know, oh, no, I hope he's not, you know, kind of going you know, but then eventually, you know, you start popping back in. It's like, oh, he's wrestling. OK, never mind. Never mind. Yeah. That it's, it's I get it now. And, you know, I think that's for me, at least when it kind of clicked like, oh, wait a minute. These two things are kind of interconnected. It's it's not one or the other how so many people try to frame it on social media. It's like either you wrestle, you, you know, or you do jujitsu. It's not both. It's,
0: yeah, I think I actually think. Most people say like, oh, wrestling complements jiu-jitsu, but jiu-jitsu doesn't really compliment wrestling. And I think that's complete nonsense. And just in the fact of the learning aspect of like, there's a curve of like, okay, you have to find the balance of not being too comfortable on your back. But there's a lot of times that, where that saves, especially like high school and like younger kids being comfortable on your back. Because a lot of times kids, that's how they get pinned is they panic and they start flailing around trying to get off. Meanwhile, I'll get someone in like a, a back take situation, and I'm comfortable as can be because I've done it for ten years, and so things like that were very helpful. And then when going back into judo and training, wrestling was definitely more beneficial there, and just actually like the balance aspect, and the sturdiness, and then just being confident while standing up at any match that I was like, I can probably out wrestle this person in front of me.
1: I think that's where it really plays in is having that comfort and having the confidence of knowing, look, I know what I know. And what I know is I can beat this guy.
0: Yeah. It actually changed my whole entire jujitsu game. Um, When I started wrestling was I came from, I was a guard pooler. I wouldn't even think about doing takedowns, gi, no gi, whatever it was. And uh, as soon as I started getting serious in the wrestling, I was all takedowns and guard passing. Um, and it really improved my guard passing hundred percent, and it didn't. I don't think it really had a downfall on my guard or any of my jiu jitsu movements that I needed. But um, it just almost made me want to be on top and guard pass and have that pressure because that's kind of how wrestling is—that fast pace in your face wrestling.
1: Since winning uh you know states in your senior year, have you done any jiu jitsu competitions, or has it just kind of still been? Because from that point, you know, you got college coming up following that. So um, has it just been from that point, just kind of as you mess with jiu-jitsu, just kind of keeping, you know, the tools sharp and not necessarily competing? Or have you done any competition since?
0: Um, Well, so I've only done one. And that was actually it was still my senior year of high school. And I just won states and. I was just kind of itching for competition, and a bunch of my friends were were making fun of me, saying I, I lost it and all that, and they were they were trying to get in my skin. And I was like, "All right, fine." So I went to we had like a local Newbury tournament here, and oh no, it, was, it was actually it was good fight. It was good fight. It was submission only, mm-hmm. and um, and so I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna go into the I'm gonna go into my division." And I was like, "I think I still got it. I think I can shake the rust off in a couple matches." And it was definitely rusty, but I went out and I won the tournament. But it was it was rough compared to I was like compared to how I used to be training full time to seeing like, wow, you you do. You never think there's actually going to be rust until you try it out of taking a break and going back and doing it. Um, but no, since then, just on and off training. I was at Salisbury University. So there's a couple of cool gyms, in Ocean City and in Salisbury. I would stop at time to time. Um, and then now I'm back home. I actually uh, I'm about um, I was supposed to go today, but I had to get back here to do this uh, from work. But tomorrow I'm going in to uh, resign my membership for the gym. So I'll be okay. back in full-time.
1: Good. And, yeah, when you and I were messaging, you had mentioned that you are thinking about, you know, coming back and getting back on the mat. So it's good. I'm glad to hear that. It's after COVID, I know for myself, COVID slowed things down for me. Yeah. I was, I was like, full clip just there. I was at the gym. <laughs> To a point where my wife would tell me, "Hey, so you should probably, I don't know, come home some nights for dinner. Your kid misses mm-hmm. you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Covid hits, and then everything slows down. But then it, it was tough for me to pick back up on it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like being there now. It, it there, you know, a lot of new faces, a lot of different faces. So, you know, when you said you're coming back, it's like, oh, that'd be cool. Uh, you know, just to you know see some familiarity there. Yeah. Just to, comfort not not that there's you know not comfort there now it's just you know when you see old faces pop back in it's like oh my goodness like like mm-hmm. where have you been so.
0: no I, and um i've actually had a couple like coaches and old teammates out to me like hey you just not really interested anymore i've always been super like i still i've i've never um not had a flow graphic account i've always had a flow i watch pans world i watch the live streams i watch highlights i watch big matches on fight on fight to win I especially follow my teammates. I love watching them succeed and do well. Um, and so, like, I've always been a student of the sport. Still am. I still watch. If you go on my YouTube feed, it's all jiu and wrestling, and grappling videos and things like that. Um, I've always found it super interesting. So now that, like, I'm in a state where I'm back from – I'm done school. I can actually pay for my own membership and pay for own tournaments and things like that. I'm super excited to get, like, back into the training and back into my own groove.
1: And – I was going to ask you that, too, is like, have you still been kind of keeping up on things, watching? I remember uh, before, I guess before we moved gyms, before we left um, down off uh, in Arnold, mm-hmm. I remember you came in, you were working leg locks with us in the Nogi class and teaching us uh, the Musenaki, uh you know, transitions with like ankle locks and stuff. So I felt like at least at that point, it's like, OK, he's still, you know got his hands in jujitsu in some capacity but then that that was ages ago so you know i was wondering like is he still you know watching does he still study or is it just kind of like you know what it's like riding a bike i'm gonna hop back out there and we'll just see where it goes so. oh no
0: i definitely like i mean you can ask, you can ask my brother the amount of times i've came out of his room like hey get on the ground i want to try something and the first time I saw, I think it was, I saw uh, one of the Rotola brothers do a buggy choke. I was like, I need to try this out. I, and so I went and did that. And like things like that, I still love the sport. And I've, I've always been, even since I was like, my parents just thought I was weird when I was 12 years old. I was watching adults. I was watching Cobrina and Jafa um, Mendez tr- like, competing against each other. Like I've always just been addicted to the game. I thought it's so cool how these black belts are doing these insane things like so fastly. And so, yeah, I've never fallen off of watching it. And so now I'm excited
1: to actually get back and do it. Good. I'll be happy to see you back out there in the mat and can't wait to just, you'll more than likely be in the, the later class. So I'm trying to get back to that class. I think I'm going to start bringing my daughter and just having her sit um, off to the side until
0: yeah.
1: it's time for us to go. But I'll be happy to be out there with you and, and just cross paths again. At the very least, you know, as I'm leaving and you guys are coming in, something. It's just so, like I said, it's good to see familiar faces and old friends.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. See, especially, see, I stopped in, I think it was like two weeks ago just to go train and see, talk about memberships and things like getting back into it. And it was. So, I saw so many old faces, old coaches, and it was awesome. It was like just all the memories rushing back.
1: <laughs> but it's weird thinking about, at least for me, with the kids program, because again, I still, you're a grown man now, but I still think like the kids program, I think you, I'm like, wait a minute, those kids that are in the kids program, those are kids. This guy's a grown up.
0: Yeah, it was weird. I actually, I stopped in a little earlier to see a kid's class when I went in the train and I didn't recognize a single one of the kids because they all grew up. Mm -hmm. And the kids I was coaching were in the adult class and I was rolling with them and they were my size. And I was like, what the hell is happening? I was like, this is what people would say to me back when I was like, when I was younger, like, dude, you're my size now. And I was like, now I was like, OK, whatever. And now I'm like, oh, my God, this, these 13 year olds are my size. And they were back when they were 10 year olds. I was teaching
1: them. Yeah, it's but that's the, uh, you know, kind of the progression of it, though, especially when. You know, you have instructors that. You know, they can, you know, explain the game in a way that makes them want to stick with it makes them fall in love with it and then you see them years later and they're still doing it you know there's something very rewarding about that i think so i mean your students that you're teaching back when they're 10 you know now here they are 13 14 years old you know there's something to that so yeah should sure love i love you. to
0: see it though i love to see him i hope when i start coming back in they're able to kick my ass so then i have something <laughs> so then i then i have a reason why i can't not leave the gym until and so until i beat them
1: yeah, I mean, look, it worked for me. That's that was my sign up. Like, I went in there, rolling with you. Okay, cool. He's showing me a Oompa sweep. All right, I, that that's pretty cool. And then there was, I can't remember. All I know is you had my back, and I was just like, I don't like this. Like, <laughs> like I can't move this kid off my back, you know, because you never think about it. You know, we, we have like your little cousins giving a piggyback ride or something, or they jump on your back or something, you just fling them off. It's like now you have someone on your back that knows how to stay there. So, but, but, you know, all the same, always just, just happy, you know, the interact with you. So with coming back and, you know, getting onto the mats and, and getting reacclimated, I know you're excited and everything competition season is in full swing with all the IBJJF tournaments going on how soon do you think before you get back out there
0: well um that's something actually I was talking to some of the coaches about and that was one of my reservations was I I work full full-time job Monday through Friday and I'm paying my own way now and things like back when Luckily as a kid, I had the amazing support of my parents who no matter what, if I if I needed to go where I wanted to go to a tournament, they found a way to make it happen, which was awesome. But I I as a as a 20-year-old don't have that aspect of being able to just go, go out to California on a win. But I do want to get back in competition. Um I'd I would personally, I'm a big believer and don't don't go out and go somewhere unless you're confident in yourself. And I obviously I would not expect myself to go out to to a blue belt level competition, like somewhere like pans or worlds, and be at the same level because I because of the rust and things like that, and my serious training schedule that I used to have, I know what it takes to succeed at those levels. So I do want to hop back into some like local tournaments, some nagas maybe in new breeds and, and and things like that. Um, but for for anything like IBJGF, that would probably be a next year conversation.
1: Okay, fair enough. Just wondering, is there there are some. I was called crazy people. Maybe they're not crazy. Maybe they're just supremely like overconfident. They're just like, oh no, I'll probably hop to the next one. Like, oh, okay, cool. Well, no.
0: Uh, as as a thing that I've noticed as still watching the game is every single year the level of each belt gets higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like the back then, if you see the blue belts now, you would have thought they were purple or brown belts back ten years ago the way they move and the way they just had that because there's blue belts that this is their life still even though they just committed to it they train seven days a week twice twice a day things like that um now i know i have teammates that that do it and so um things like that like i i'm gotta be realistic to see yourself at some point where i think i could i think i can go and succeed in some local level tournaments and in regional level tournaments possibly but I don't want to put myself on, on the big scheme of going out and flying somewhere or travel, doing a long distance unless I'm confident I'm going to go out there and be, and compete with my best capability.
1: Sure, absolutely. And it's interesting that you point out, you know, as the game is changing, just even the last couple years, you know, we've sat back and, you know, watch older – well, just like the old, 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 old UFCs where Hoist Gracie – you know, came onto the scene in, you know, 93 and stuff like that. And we're watching his jujitsu. And this is, you know, different because it's MMA jujitsu, We're just watching certain chokes and just certain movements. And, you know, you know, Mark and I were looking at it like, wow, that's like, that was very, ele- you know, elementary, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't like, you know, he did something so simple and made them look silly. It was like, it was something simple. You know, as simple as like a neon belly, it's like, oh, well, he doesn't, you know, what what we're used to these days with a neon belly. It's like, oh, he's doing it much different then. And then, you know, as you kind of look along as the years go on, you see, okay, you know, now that's changed, and they're still doing it this way, whereas now the game is taking off in another direction. And, you know, that's not even just from that point. You know up to let's say 2000 and 2000 up to 2010 but even just being 2022 from 2020 things have just changed so drastically that you know like like the buggy choke is just kind of you know the the new hot move on the scene the last i want to say year and a half
0: maybe yeah. two years
1: and everywhere like you look you're seeing buggy choke buggy choke buggy choke left and right until it was a couple of weeks ago at ADCC, somebody went for a buggy joke and got slammed out of it. So people are probably now thinking, all right. Yeah. And now we need to find a new one.
0: So. that Well, the, the thing is about that is it's just the level of innovation is getting insane with these people back. If you look 10, 15 years ago at Jiu Jitsu footage, everyone's doing half guard, butterfly guard, they're doing closed guard, they're doing strong fundamental Jiu Jitsu, which is there's nothing wrong with whatsoever. But you see, in a, in a, like, innovation, like, and also curiosity of, like, when I see a move that I had no idea what it was, I would want to, like, book it up. Like, I used to, my favorite to watch as a kid, the kids were the Mendez Brothers and the Meow Brothers. Yep. I had every single DVD. I've watched every single instructional video they've ever put out. Um, and, like, I, somewhere in my room, I definitely still have uh the the Meow Brothers How to Bear and Bolo DVD. And um I sat, I literally sat down and I had a little mat in our basement back in the day and with my brother on the tv there and i was like you're my dummy for the next hour and i would just drill that and then i would go then i would go in the gym and ask the, like the the competition purple and black belt and brown belts and ask him to critique me and help me and that's back when i was i was a yellow belt i think i was 13 12 maybe at the time and like there's kids that are even hungrier than that nowadays who like when i walked in the gym two weeks ago there was a yellow belt that was he barem bowled me um into a, a crab ride and I was like you are 12 years old this is insane I would this have missed when I was like 16 and so it just kids kids are getting higher level at a younger age so it's when they hit adults they're already animals
1: yeah there was a uh, no oh, I want to say it had been 2019 yeah, we, we moved to the new gym in 2019, mm-hmm. and I was helping with the belt test for one of the kids. I think he was he was in eighth grade, because I remember we sat with him a couple of days later. He's in eighth grade. And during the belt test, he gets me down, and he went for a Peruvian necktie. Uh-huh. And I was – like, the timer went off before he could, you know, sink it in. But there, there was one part of me was kind of like, how dare you? But then the other part was like, wow, like this kid, you know, he, he's learning stuff. He, he's, you know, watching video. So, you know, the availability f- for the kids also, you know, to, you know, get vi- video instructional stuff like that is definitely helping, you know, them get to a higher level at a younger age, especially, you know, if they're into, if they really are into and they love yeah. it. And this young man, he's still at the gym. I haven't crossed paths with him since. And it's like, you know, I'm still a little shook. I I don't have the same feeling that I had with you. Where it's like, I'm going to get that kid. When (laughs) when he went for that, I was like, I was a little nervous. Because I'm like, what else does he know? Like, I got to watch him. And I haven't haven't been near him enough to be able to kind of spy on him. (laughs) But I, I was really shocked by it. But also at the same time, impressed because... Like I said, you got these, these kids, you know, watching video, I think, I don't know if it was you or Magnus, someone had said, um, I, I believe one of you, you know, at bedtime, it's like, it's time to go to bed. Your parents are go to bed and they come in the room and you're under your sheet watching YouTube videos of jujitsu. Yeah. Like, my
0: parents would take my phone. so I would do that. I would, I would sneak on like my iPad or my phone and and um and watch and watch footage um my favorite i would always be watching like i could probably if you told me like the year i could probably break down a cabrini hoff mendez final like those are my two favorite guys to watch back in the day so like those are um yeah my parent, my dad used to get so mad at me he was like dude it's one in the morning you gotta you gotta go to sleep you have school in the morning
1: i mean you know on one note you know he's not wrong but on another note it's when you love something and You know you're you're just so curious about it it's hard to turn that switch off so i get it completely with your grappling style you know when you're in full swing like can you describe like can you describe that to me like your style of grappling back then
0: um yeah i mean my favorite thing was just to be unpredictable um especially um i think i was at like my peak like performance, uh, it was my sophomore year of high school. I was competing the juveniles, and that's when I had two years of wrestling under my belt. So I was comfortable on the feet if I needed to do takedowns, things like that. And I was comfortable my guard passing, but I was mainly a guard player and, um, mostly, mostly lasso and spider guard, um, with influence to my teammates that were like, that was seeing like, 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 uh, Jamil Hill and, and people like that who were super into the entanglement and that, um, like tying up lapels and sleeves and all these tricky things i used to find that so cool just like me sometimes i when i go there for a saturday practice i would and i would let him just drill on, and he would just drill on me like and just like what is it if i do this and he would just play around with stuff i found it so interesting just to watch him do that and and to do it with him and so i i always love that kind of stuff just trying to tangle up everyone up and into that? But I was definitely definitely a guard player, and I would um my two main, I was either doing collar sleeve guard or I was doing some sort of lasso guard as well.
1: And when you would transition to wrestling, and I know we kind of talked on it, I guess, a little briefly, but with your jujitsu game translating to wrestling, like how much of it did you bring over into wrestling?
0: Um, I feel like I brought a good amount, um, only thing that actually I feel hold me held me back in wrestling, not held me back, was it was a um, adjustment period. Was the pace and aggressiveness of, like I would, I, we would go into the practice room and we'd have 20, 30 minute rounds of going live sparring and jujitsu. But wrestling, if you're doing a thirty minute round of wrestling, you're gonna pass out. Like a six minute, I do a six minute round, a six minute match in wrestling, and you get two breaks in, in the middle of the matches and. It's just a pace where you're always on your feet. You're always grappling, pushing each other. Even if you need you get a takedown, you they're doing everything they can to stand up, and you're doing everything you can to keep them down. Orange Jiu-Jitsu, sometimes you'd be able to get those breaks of a closed guard or half guard. or You catch some amount. Sometimes there's like there's things like that. In Wrestling, that's how it can cost you a match. So those are things like keeping the pace up was one thing I had to mm-hmm. think of because I was more of a slower – because I wasn't that fast. I was so slower, methodical layer of making sure i have the proper grips and being able to not allow my opponent to move compared to wrestling where there are no grips i mean you can get um, so like they're always moving um but again like i said last time it's being comfortable my back i mean i'm not sure how how familiar you are with wrestling as a whole but um like i would be doing like a lot of like counter-attacking and things like that and um like going for funk rolls and so even though it wasn't the aggressor like my counter my counter wrestling came well because i could swoop underneath or like roll over my back to try and to avoid or counteract the takedown and then my um my actual like my top game of trying to pin people was very well because i would do something called uh throwing boots or riding legs which is pretty much essentially back take in um jiu and you are but instead of them being on the butt trying to choke them out, you flatten them out and then you turn them over. But I was just very good at like sticking on to people because I was so used to jujitsu of trying to get that seatbelt grip and hold on, hold on to a, a back take at that four points. So that was something that felt very comfortable to me in that situation. That was always, that was always my best part about wrestling was my me being on top and being able to turn kids and get back points or pin them. So that was something that really helped me in the long run from jujitsu to wrestling.
1: And going back to jujitsu, you know, what did you bring from wrestling, you know, to you know, to transition over that really helped you out?
0: Um, honestly, a pretty similar answer. Uh, the pace helps a lot to to um to grapple in a jiu-jitsu standpoint at a wrestler's pace is something that not a lot of jujitsu not a lot of jujitsu um competitors or just um people in general are used to because it's a lot of more slow methodical um moving that fast pace which is the case for some people there are very very fast jiu competitors don't get me wrong but um and then um just like guard passing in general i felt i felt more um it's like sturdy and uh like i think it helped my balance a lot and uh things are just like there's a lot of similar positions that you don't really think about as jiu-jitsu and wrestling um as a whole that like if you take a different approach it's gonna throw them off so like if someone's in like turtle guard or something like that that is a very similar position to referee position in wrestling mm-hmm. and meanwhile it might take me longer to get the hooks in um but like i i'm pretty confident like i'm holding them down and they're not going anywhere things like that like and also that's another thing holding people down as well like if i pass a guard um a lot a lot better like because you're used to wrestling to try and force both their shoulders flat to the mat to get the pin and you come up with certain little tips and tricks of lifting the head up and moving their walking their shoulders up, so things like that. Like just little things and like micro details, especially, really helped in wrestling. Um, And there's some things that honestly just kept me confident as a whole. Like when people would do sit up guard and like sit up around my leg, I was like, you can go for the single leg. That's fine. I'm I'm used I'm used to defending single leg things like that. And like again, back to neutral is if they wanted to stand up, that was perfectly fine. I would stand up. So even though I definitely think my guard and my technique as a whole lost, like it's um, like it's definitely rusty now and, and needs lots and lots of drilling to get back to the point it was. It's a fact that if someone backs away from my guard, I can just stand up and then I'm back where I want to be. Because if they pull, that's fine. I'm still comfortable passing just my movement in general.
1: And, you know, just again, thinking about that, I'm, I'm always curious about that, you know, transition between the two. Because jiu-jitsu and wrestling – you know, they're cousins to each other. Yeah. But they're, they're so, you know, so different because again, in jujitsu, you know, you can attack from your back. You, you know, you're comfortable there. Whereas wrestling, you don't want to be on your back. That that's the last place you want to be. You, you even see that when, you know, you'll get a new guy come in. He's a wrestler. It's like, Oh, you know, okay. You're a wrestler. Have you ever done jiu-jitsu before? No. And, you know, there's the freak out of, you know, being on their back. So I'm always curious. Just kind of, especially with you being champion on on both stages, you know, state champion in wrestling, and then you know, pants champion in jujitsu. It's like, okay, so this is you know, high level. You know, you you would have if anyone's got kind of an explanation, it it would be yourself. So,
0: yeah, and also, I mean, when I was doing both kind of like at a similar time, like I would tweet, I would still actively do jujitsu while wrestling. I didn't have a problem with flipping that switch of, okay, I can be in my back and when I can't, but, um, my most recent time back in the gym, like I said, I took a three year break to wrestle. Um, the first time someone went to do, go for a guard pass, instead of me shrimping or inverting to get back and try and get back to my guard, I turned away. And that, that was a habit of like, Oh, I'm on my back. And so like, that was a, that was, and that happened once. And I was like, okay, snap out of it. We're, I'm going to, I'm going to gee right now. We got to, I can be in my back, but, um, Every once in a while, I'll get a some up but they're trying, like, turning away when they're going for side control and then giving up a possible back take things like that.
1: And as you're approaching coming back to jiu-jitsu and, you know, still kind of being a student of the game, you know, what things are you looking at now just kind of to get set back into it? You know, what's your approach in your return?
0: Well, honestly, like I said before, my worries was not being able to go back to the full capacity I was, um, especially at the competition level. And I was talking to some coaches about it, and they pretty much said, like, well, listen, you know you love the game. You know you love the sport, the art of it itself. And, like, I do. I I, I enjoy it. People always ask me, like, oh, are you done jiu-jitsu? And I was like, no, I'm starting to get my black belt one day. Like, I'm very set on that goal. And um, so, like, as I'm going right now, I'm going in just to train and better myself for enjoyment, honestly. Um, and then hoping once I get that rust off and I kind of can find a consistent schedule that works for my work schedule and my Jiu-Jitsu schedule, being able to hopefully get back in the competitions, because that was one of my favorite aspects of it was the competitiveness of going out and putting in all this hard work to not show it off, but to get results. So, um, and, and plus I've been gone for three years and all of my friends that I was training with are now out there winning pans at brown belt and black belt and I've been talking a lot of smack so I need to (laughs) I need to I need to get back in I need to get my get some rust off um before they beat me up anymore
1: you know and that's you know one of those things that I always find fascinating is you know when someone leaves for a little bit of time you know just whether it be to take a mental break or to go to school or you know just switching over to another sport briefly and then that that comeback. It's like we all love a good comeback story. So it, it's always fascinating to know, all right, you know, where's where's the mindset? What you know, where's your head at as you're coming into it? It sounds like you know, you know, the, the same old mouth that I know, just you know, confident kid, you know, determined kid, and I'm happy to hear that that's good.
0: Yeah, I said I'm just going back because I love it, miss it, and pretty much we're gonna see where the cards lie.
1: Going back you know, to your earlier times when we're talking about, you know, competing and just, you know, one loss after the other. And a lot of times we see the same competitors, you know, on the, on that circuit. And those kids that, you know, beat you the first go around, you know, you see them again, you know, more so the kid who had you in the rear naked for three minutes. You ever cross paths with that kid again?
0: Um, I never saw, I never saw him again, but there was, I had, uh, t- there's like two or three kids that were pretty high level that were on the East coast. that I would see um, majority of the year, most big tournaments like big nagas and things like that, or any regional IBGS. But I mean, honestly, most, most of the kids that were whooping my, whooping my ass in tournaments were my teammates and we would be, we'd be the same size. Those kids, those kids from camp Springs and things like that would come down and they would just, I, we, I would we would both go and we would go work our way up the bracket and next you know they, it would just be another another training session but those those are my biggest rivals uh, a lot of them for like the, the tournament aspect of it um there was this one kid named um Fabian and he him and I went back and forth all the time as like younger kids like 13 and then I think he I think he quit around 15 or 16 because I never really saw him after that um and then there was one more. Um, kid, I can't remember his name now. He trained at Unity um, Judo. He was very good, very, very squirrely. Had a very, really good, uh, very good guard. Um, I ended up having he beat me once at the American Nationals in Vegas, that um, IBJJF tournament. And then I we actually ended up getting like a super fight at a, um, a, a UGA tournament, the United Grappler Association, and it was super cool because uh. Actually, one of the Meow Brothers was refing, so that was cool to see him and all that. Um, but, yeah, I went up there and had a super fight against him, and I was able to beat him there. And then he actually – we both stopped to wrestle at the same time. So I saw that he was wrestling in New York, and I was wrestling here in Maryland. But, um, yeah, those are the only two guys that, I mean, I can think of on the top of my head that I kind of went back and forth with. And then, like I said, my teammates over at um, Team Wood Urban would just wipe the floor with me when I would get to the, whenever we weighed in the same weight.
1: So I know, you know, again, early on taking those losses, you always learned from them and, and, you know, came back stronger with each win. Was there ever a point with winning where you felt like that? Was there like an arrogance of, of any sort where it's was like, well, I don't need to, you know, I already know this. I don't need to learn anymore. Like, did you have to check yourself at any point in your early development?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I would say, to an extent. The the nice part about it was, um, it's when I started to exceed in the competition level. Like I was like, I was winning my winning my brackets regularly. As I think it was around thirteen is when I really started to hit my strive of like, okay, like I'm I'm I was going to tournaments and I wasn't worried. I was confident. I was going out there and competing at a high level and training with high level people. Um. Uh. I would start bumping up. So when I was 13, I would do the um, the 13-under division, and then I would do the 14-15 division. Well, I do the, like I would do the 14-15 and then the 16-17. And, and then once I hit 14 – no, fit, once I hit 15, I started doing adults. So then I had the extra barricade of, like, they were much stronger than me or older than me and things like that because, I mean, puberty's a thing. So a 17-year-old is going to be stronger, and I was a 13-year-old going against them. So, like, I would – so, like, even if I would go and wipe the floor with my division or wouldn't – I would be arrogant. I would go either get humbled in the 17-year-old division or if I would win that, then I would go back to the gym and get humbled by my teammates. So, that was – the nice thing about that is I didn't have too much support, too much um, time with that. I mean, obviously, like I said, I was a teenage boy, so I would get cocky every once in a while. But I always had people in the gym that were, like, years ahead of me or at least it felt that way to me. And so that way, I could never get too cocky, like oh, there's no one in this gym that I can, because you know, I'm I would go to I would go to practice, and there would be world champs all lined up on the mat, things like that. So it was that was the nice thing about that is I never had, because um, yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't want to be ever being the best in your gym, and and like I said, and when when you're a close gym, there's no one ever really thinks about that. But that's why I never really had that problem because I would just get my ass booked in the room.
1: I, I think that would be a problem. It sounds like it would be a problem if you know, you're going through and, you know, you're, you're the baddest dude in the gym and, you know, just had a a bad attitude about it, but, you know, no one can do anything about it. So I think that would be problematic eventually down the road, whether it be in the gym or even out in competitions. So, yeah. uh, You know, one thing I'd like to know as well, since you were the first grappler I encountered there at the gym, in you know, knowing all these years now, later with the maturity that you have and just, you know, the experience, world experience that you have, if there's someone new coming onto the mat, you know, I got a, Let's say I got a new student starting up tonight and we want them to step in there with you to kind of, you know, again, just work with them, show them the ropes. What would be a couple pieces of advice you would give someone new just stepping onto the mat? Just that that's a nervous and with no experience.
0: Um, I would say that there's uh, is to one just relax because I mean, I remember my first day it was nerve wracking. All these people you're in a weird uniform and a cloth heavy gi, or you're no gi, and people are up close and touching, and it's very weird for someone outside of the sport, like as I mean think about it there's always like jokes about and things like that but once you're in the sport you don't think about it as weird because it's just natural um so one just to relax and two try and figure out what you want out of it is if like okay are you just trying to get in shape or are you trying to get a hobby are you trying to go compete are you trying like and then and then once you once you figure that out it's kind of a lot easier to not set goals but to kind of Find find your role of like, okay I'm I'm just trying to get in shape I'm gonna come three times a week I'm gonna take judo class or take Muay Thai class, learn the ropes maybe get a couple of belt promotions, or like I'm just doing I am going to get my back black belt eventually. Uh, there's um we had a coach at the gym um I don't even know if he was in there uh, Coach Duke or Coach Neil. Oh, yeah yeah. Um, yeah. He like I said I'm I never as long as I trained I've never seen him compete but he would always he was amazing very technical and he just like he just loved the sport and loved the training. And um, and I said that was just he just loved it. And so like if you're like oh I love to just just want to train, then go just go train. If you want to compete and be like oh I want to win a world championship or I want to be a black belt world champ one day, then that's fine. But like yeah you know set that goal. So then it's like okay well then you need to train six or seven days a week. So like I feel like it's finding finding your goal or like your mindset and like okay then working around that. So like relax if you're just if you're new then don't don't even think about like that's what my first my definitely be just relax just enjoy it soak it in ask ask questions is a big one ask questions i'm um, yeah i mean like i said you know they called me mouth because i wouldn't stop talking half of them were questions i would always ask then like sometimes questions that weren't necessary but i was always asking questions
1: it never hurts to ask questions yeah no. uh, and actually i i like that piece of advice there as far as like just trying to figure out what you want to do with it because I think I'm at a weird cross world where I show up, I train, and it's almost kind of like I'm going with emotions now. It's like, like, why am I training? Like, what, what is my objective? So, thank you, that helped me.
0: I try to do that. Um, actually, um, Master Lord gave me that advice. Um, and he was like, just relax, and he was like, figure out what you want, and then do it. And so, if you just like, if if I'm going just as a hobby, and I want to get my black belt someday. I can go two to three times a week and train, and if I miss, it's not a huge deal. Um, and just stay semi consistent and enjoy myself. If I want to go and compete and go to pans and worlds, then I need to get a training schedule and hop on a diet and things. Like that. So it's a, there's different levels to everything. So yeah, just kind of trying to fi- like think about it and figure that out is a nice thing to have.
1: You are wise beyond your years, my friend. I try. <laughs> uh, I want to kind of circle back to. Your podcast. Um, so you say you're going to be upcoming. You know, uh, filming the first episode. So, uh, I guess in the beginning, right now, where you're at, just kind of producing it and getting it set up. Uh, you have an idea of you know what you want to address as kind of an outline. Going into um, the show,
0: yeah. I mean, honestly, um, we just. We just want to make people laugh we want to be entertaining. We want something that like when people are on their lunch break, they can go turn on. Like when I'm on lunch breaks, I go, like I go and I turn on a podcast and I either watch the YouTube video or I listen to it and just eat my food and I'll get some laughs. And that's something I want we wanted to have. Um we I mean we both think we're funny, which is I mean, who doesn't think they're funny? But um we've always I mean we used to as as kids try to like videotape and make a YouTube channel. It never really took off because we were like 15 and weren't serious about it. But now he's gotten more, he's um, gotten super into the industry and about it. And he's very big into music and sound engineering. And he called me one day was like, hey, I want to do a podcast. Like, Would you be serious about that? And I was like, 100%. And ever since then, we've just been full balls rolling. Um, And we're super excited about it. We want to have like some, we're excited to get, we're going to get some guests on there. We're just going to be a genuine podcast where we're trying to relate to people, be funny, tell jokes, av- avoid any serious topics and just, have a good time where people can just go and uh, turn off their brain and just laugh
1: for your episodes. Are you doing, are you going to be releasing them like weekly or we will week?
0: be, we will be weekly. Yes. Um, We're just starting the, um, the the recording process now. Um, so we, we are hoping, hoping by the um, middle, middle of May, we'll have our first episode out and we'll be, we'll be out on YouTube um, Stop hitting yourself podcast name of it because we're two bickering brothers. So
1: and now, yeah, now, now I'm thinking back to my my younger brothers with that. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. And how long would the episodes be?
0: Um, I'm hoping about um, an hour to hour and a half.
1: Okay, all right. Always find that to be, you know, a, a safe window of time. That was an issue I've had with some of these episodes where I try to my minimum I try to do at the lowest is 35 minutes and I try to keep it at that 90 minute mark at the max but sometimes you get you get a guess that either you know when, especially when we're talking about comic books fucking comic books and nerd stuff mm-hmm. you know I'll look I'll say oh man we're at 2 hours 15 minutes we gotta, we gotta turn this off they like do we though? Maybe not I don't know we'll see. I
0: mean I know that at least when I'm watching podcasts usually if I'm watching the same episode of the same person he's about like an hour and a half i might start to check out a little bit and like all right well this was funny um and then like that so i feel like it's a good time and plus i mean it's always it's gonna be up to a case by case as well because we are super adamant about it being genuine and authentic where we we don't want to have we're not we don't have a script or anything we're speaking of we're not making up jokes and telling them to people like we're not doing a comedy show. We're just talking, and we have like uh, topics we want to talk about, or funny things that we might see on the internet that we want to pull up and give our two cents on. But we're trying to be as genuine, authentic because I feel like one, people appreciate it, and two, that shows that shows our true selves. And I mean, that's all we're trying. That's all we're trying. We're not even trying to sell anything. We're trying to have fun, and hopefully, people enjoy it. But um, that's I feel like that's a way to do it. If it's just a job, then it's not really worth doing. But it's we're we're loving it. We're having so much fun, and I really hope that people are going to enjoy it.
1: I think that's the important thing too is being genuine and you wanting to just have fun because I have another show here that we do called Colompton Social Club. We didn't really have a plan. We we're just like it was just two friends. We we're just sitting there talking mm-hmm. shit. I was like, so you know, hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah, let's do a podcast. And we sat down. And was like, oh, we don't know what to talk about, but you know, we just would just start randomly having conversations. And I always say that about podcasts or just conversations with friends that other people get to listen in on. So I think as long as, like you say, you're being genuine and just, you know, unscripted is, I think the key too, because I think when you start trying to do things and have a script or a plan or anything like that, and you either fall into one of two pockets, you're either upset because something didn't go perfect or you're too focused on it going perfect that you, you don't seem authentic. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I agree. I like,
0: um, and it's actually the idea started out is because he goes to uh, San Diego state university and I'm over here in Maryland and, um, we grew up next to each other. We were in childhood, best friends, um, since about, I think sixth grade. And, um, we always like live on the same street. We would do everything together or like have the same friend group. And then, so, I mean, usually about once a week, we talk for about an hour or two, I mean, but split up our together. So we're like, Hey, instead of just FaceTiming, why don't we just do a podcast? And, and that's how it turned out. And we both are loving it. So very excited about it.
1: Well, I'm excited for it. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. It, it sounds like it's going to have a lot of good energy to it. So, Definitely, you know, keep me posted on it. I'll for sure, you know, shout it out on here and you know, post it all over my social media. Is because, you know, I always tell everyone to do a podcast because I think everyone has something to say, something to offer, no matter how you how you cut it. Whether it be, you know, giving your opinion on a social matter or, you know, giving a breakdown on on a sporting event. But someone always has something to say, so it's like. You know what? You know, in a time where people are like, "Look, there are too many voices," I think sometimes, you know, a lot of that that weird energy out there in the world sometimes it just needs to be heard in a constructive manner. And you know, anytime someone says they got a podcast, I'm like, "Ooh, let me know. I want to. I want to hear it because." Yeah, I want to. I mean, that's
0: a nice thing. Um, like, like you said earlier, to have the right mindset of, I mean, I don't really care if we have six viewers to the point where like I'm just I'm here to have fun, and I think people do appreciate that as a whole. And the same thing, I think people should, I think everyone should do one or just post vlogs on Instagram or TikTok, whatever their vice is. But I mean, even if even if you think no one's listening, people are probably listening. And even if they aren't, at least you're expressing yourself, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, that's that's another key thing, too. It's like you don't know who you're reaching. Yeah. You know, you might have an episode where you guys might talk about a very like just personal subject that you think, oh, you know, we're just having a conversation and it's just us talking and, you know, you're talking about, you know, the loss of a pet or something and how you're coping with it. That might hit somebody in, you know, Hawaii or, you know, India, even exactly. And you're like, like, oh, wow. You know, so like, when I looked at the stats on, on this podcast, I saw, I was hitting people in Ireland, in India, I was like, what get out of here. Nobody listens to it over there. And then uh, my buddies over at Nerd Rage Radio, they're like top 20 in Australia. It's like, I, OK, that's wild. But all right. So, yeah. you know, as long as you're being you and being, you know, genuine, people can connect and people you know, like you said, people like that when you're when you're being your authentic self. Yeah. So. So we'll go ahead and wrap up here. Uh, mouth thank you for doing this dude i'm glad you reached out and i'm glad we're able to you know get this done so thank you
0: hey thank you for having me Dante. i 100 appreciate it i love like i said like i've been now a little newfound to the world but i love it i turns out that i still deserve the nickname mouth because i can talk for a while so uh um anytime man we'll have to have you over on our podcast sometime as well
1: Absolutely. I'm I'm always able to make time and I'm always able to be free, you know, whatever you need. And uh, definitely, you know, want to have you back on here, uh, especially once you get a couple couple episodes under your belt. Come on back on. We're going to talk it up, promote it and and have a blast with it. Uh, are there any other shout outs or mentions you want to do besides, you know, the podcast?
0: Um, honestly, I mean, since we're here on the, the um on the podcast, I just want to like uh, all all my successes for uh, like a lot of reasons but very little was actually my own i mean i gave, i had coaches that were setting me up for success like hey like they were reaching out to my parents like hey like i saw michael's like super um and, like into this does he want to come in for a private training session or i actually have a private lesson today and i need i need like a, a dummy like and he can get some drills in or things like that or like sending me links um i have teammates that were pushed me farther like and created a good home. My parents did everything they could to make sure I had enough. Like they, I had the opportunity to go to pan kids in California and New York. And I went all up and down the East coast competing. So um, if you're out there uh, uh, competing, training, whatever you're doing, just be grateful for people that are helping you do it. Cause it's not a, nothing's a solo mission. Everything, everything needs some cooperation.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for those words. And for all the listeners for, the show here. Thank you as always. We do appreciate it. Look, we're at episode what this is gonna be 103. This is crazy. That's awesome. Didn't, didn't think we we're gonna make it this far. So, everyone who's been listening, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate the hell out of all of you. If y'all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, reach out to me. You can find me at off the match podcast on Instagram or bjj.wiki instagram as well um i'm always open i i'm very open-minded to in, to any critiques and criticisms except for the guy who, who criticized me at the human library last night like like i felt like he was coming in i felt like he was trying to rattle my cage on purpose and I'm, i was biting my tongue i was like dude don't d- you don't want to do this right now <laughs> like i'm hungry And and you're basically saying that, that what I'm doing as a book is stupid. So, but that's okay. That's okay. It was, it was, it was a different Dante. Otherwise I'm always uh, very open-minded and and accepting of any concerns, criticism or questions. Um, Big shout out to our friends over at Armbar Attic, Eric and Ali. They're still pushing. They're still making big things happen over there. Uh, check them out on Instagram. Check out the website, armbaraddict.com. Check them out on TikTok. Great kids out there in Denver, Colorado, doing big things. So, you know, go go give them a look. Um, also, another big shout out here to my guest, Michael Mouth Malf- Garlandson, and his upcoming podcast, Stop Hitting Yourself. Uh, it's going to be on YouTube. So be ready for those episodes and be on the lookout for any uh, promotions on it. And, Last shout out is to my other show. So, you like horror? Go check it out. It's about horror movies. It's every other Friday. The most recent episode was based on American Horror Story. And the next upcoming episode is going to be discussing the Paranormal Activity franchise. So, be on the lookout for those shows. Every other Friday, they come out. But you know, I blast it all over Instagram anyway. So, you don't know where to find it. Otherwise, Again, thank you so much. You guys keep listening. I'm going to keep making these shows. Bye. Bye. Now let me sing a song.